Hello everyone, it's me, Sarah Sloan. Welcome to the Sarah Sloan Show. I wanted to say that slow. I hope you guys are doing well. And we have a couple topics that we'll be discussing today, so it should be pretty good. Um, But first, I did want to start off with uh, someone who emailed the show, Donna from Colorado. And she's awesome, by the way. I know her pretty well. Um, So she had a comment. She didn't have a question. So she was saying that she uh, she listened to our podcast for the second time. Um, She was mentioning the one about, I think it was a Hope Against Hope Mm -hmm. episode. And yeah, that was one that was pretty fun to do. And she was just saying that there were, it was insightful and the clarity helped her to understand some of our political mess. And she said, I especially like the statement, if you are not a threat, they will not attack you. Um, like you said, if we stand up for something we believe, even though it's not what everyone else is saying, we will be scored so much for persecution of the church. And she said that she watched a video of the past presidents attending the George H. Bush's funeral. And in that funeral, several attendees were handed an envelope, including Mike Pence. Do you know of any significance of that? Laura Bush was handed the envelope and showed it to her brother-in-law, Jeb Bush. And they were as shocked as well as other attendees being as shocked as they opened the envelope, including Big Mike. We're praying for America always. God in our lives is the only satisfaction. Uh, regards to your kind parents. I don't know the significance of that. And honestly, like I listen to a lot. No one I listen to has even mentioned that once. So I need to probably do a little bit more digging. But honestly, if you have heard anything about that, Donna, please let me know. Because, yeah, it does seem interesting. Do you know of anything about it, Don? Parting gifts, maybe a gift card or I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't take much to stun the bushes. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> it can be anything. But thank you so much, Donna, for, for emailing the show. And, um, yeah, please do it again. All right, so uh, it's Friday, thank God. And I usually sleep in on Saturdays. Last week, actually, I was um, I was supposed to have this kind of study. I, I, I put myself in this study uh, whenever I went to uh, OU, and this professor, he wanted to interview us for multiple years, just asking us about, um, you know, kind of what we would end up studying and what we would do and be like and... and it's kind of been interesting just to tell him like, hey, I don't have a job right now. Okay, well, now I do have a job and all this stuff. It, it's been very interesting to to kind of have him hear these things. And I share so much of, of my life to him. <laughs> it's almost like therapy sessions. So he's this professor. And then he was over a month ago, he emailed me and he said, hey, are we going to be doing another interview? And um, I, I forgot about the email. And so then next month he was like, hey, can we please do this <laughs> it's a big study <laughs> and uh five other universities are doing this and so then i was like oh yes 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 let's do the 10 30 and i put a reminder for 9 30 in the morning well if you know me i i wake up pretty late because that is saturday is the only day i can sleep in and so i wake up at 11 and i look at my emails and he's like well hey i'm on zoom and i've been waiting and you haven't been showing up <laughs> I, I rushed and I just thank God he's a man and he doesn't really probably care or pay attention to the fact that I was a total mess. And yeah, it was like a three hour conversation pretty much him asking me all about my life. But yeah, that was, that was embarrassing. 
Um, Can't even get yourself up for therapy. Nope, not even for therapy. <laughs> yeah, you know, a reminder. Do the reminder the night before, not the morning of whenever you're never going to wake up that early in the first place. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm nuts. Um, but yeah, I'm going to sleep in for real this time. Uh, okay, first I wanted to start off with gullibility. Um, just kind of talking about that. So a little story. Um, Cracker Barrel, we were there, just my mom, dad, and I, and we were eating. Now, every time they bring the biscuits, they always forget the apple butter. So I, I always remind them. Yeah, Cracker Barrel. Yeah, so I, I asked them to bring uh, the apple butter. Now, this waitress, she was just so odd, and she was like, um, she was like, no, well, we don't have it. She like comes back and says that to me, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. I, you know, I just wanted to ask. And then she was like, gotcha. So then we laugh and like, ha, 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 ha. Like, I didn't think it was that funny, but I was being polite. And then she comes back again and she has a tray with the biscuits. And she's like, I actually am really sorry. We, we just don't have the apple butter. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, no, no worries. And she's like, ma'am, you're real gullible, aren't you? <laughs> and I was just like. She's like, and then she, she puts it in front of me, the apple butter in front of me. I was like, that is such a stupid thing. What in the world? I'm so gullible. What was I supposed to do? She says it to me. We don't have apple butter. And I'm like, well, you listen here. I don't believe you, you fat liar. You bring the apple butter to my face right now and actually feed me the biscuit. <laughs> Get the knife out, spread the apple butter on the biscuit and feed me, baby girl. No, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to believe her because I'm not a freak. And if she does it again, if she did it again, I would, I would believe her because I'm not going to just be a skeptic. And so... Yeah, I've thought about this story for like weeks now. And honestly, it's like still annoyed me. Um, the definition of gullible is being easily deceived or duped. Mm. So I just, you know, what, what's the alternative to being gullible? Being a cynic? Being someone who's skeptical? Being someone that demands to get their way because they never believe what the person says? You have to have some belief of, a, of what a person is saying, or you can never communicate with them. And um, it even made me think uh, yearbooks. They always have senior uh, superlatives for the senior class. You know, that could be anything, you know, most likely to be president, class clown, things like that. And there's one that is most gullible. Now... <laughs> Someone dear to me, um, near and dear, was made most gullible. And that person was just saying, like, this, it honestly just doesn't feel good. And it's just, it's kind of mean. And I'll just be remembered as that for the rest of my life. And, and so then um, I was asked to call the, the teacher just because the teacher who was in charge of it, I was actually just in her class at the time. So I give her a call and I kind of explained to her, I was like, you know, a lot of these senior superlatives, all of them are good things. Best smile. Um, uh, Most likely to succeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that. Things like that. And I'm like, and then you got to have this one. Most gullible. And let's be real. It's not even just like who's easily deceived or duped. It's who's, who is the least popular. Who's the one that people think isn't smart. You know, it's, it's so much more than just most gullible. And 
I was just explaining all of that. And I was like, is that really what we need to represent that we're just going to make fun of each other and have that be our legacy forever, you know? And I actually convinced her. And she said that she wouldn't be able to take it off for the papers that go out for the graduation ceremony because those were already printed. But she said that it would be taken off for the yearbook. Wow. And it was taken off. You made a difference. I did. And it felt cool. It felt very cool. So <laughs> gullibility, I, I don't, you know, I think that there are some people that are just, they don't know anything in general. So you could say that to them, but. I think it's a dumb term and I think it's overused at this point and it is just simply the fact that you believe someone like I even made a joke like I, I was I was at work and I, I said oh yeah well because I was a cheerleader and I was obviously kidding and uh the lady was like oh you were a cheerleader and I was like no and then she's like oh I'm so gullible and I was just like in my mind I was like no you're not <laughs> like you just believe me because I was kidding and I had a straight face like you just believed me that doesn't mean you're gullible mm. And what was she supposed to do? No, you weren't. You would never be a cheerleader. She could have gotten like kind of offensive at that point and you know, said, you don't have what it takes. You don't look like a cheerleader. And it could have gotten out of hand. So don't worry and don't let people call you gullible because it's a stupid term. Um, so now let's get into some news because that's what we all like. <laughs> we love news. Um, so, Dad, this is a crazy one. Columbia University basically is going to hold a multicultural graduation celebration. So it's, it's several of these. And I have a clip about this uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson. Um, and so then you're going to get to hear more about this. So all right, I will be playing that. So if you're over 40, you think of Columbia University as pretty darn impressive. Maybe you haven't checked in recently. Columbia is now the birthplace of the modern equity movement. It was a Columbia critical race theorist, for example, who first came up with the idea of intersectionalism, the idea now wrecking America. Now Columbia is showing us where intersectionalism and equity leads right back to the Jim Crow South. Columbia has announced it will hold racially segregated graduation ceremonies for students in the next few weeks. There's going to be a separate ceremony for students who identify as Native American, as Asian, as something called Latinx, and also, of course, as African American. There will also be a lavender ceremony for people identifying as, quote, LGBTQIAQ+, end quote. So Mark Stein is an expert in insanity. And the question to him, of course, is how long before we have separate water fountains for all of these groups? Mark Stein, great to see you tonight. Where's this going, do you think? Well, we're going to need a lot of water fountains. My advice these days is to check the all of the above box because you never know where this thing is going. They're inventing new identities. I see they're having a separate graduation ceremony uh, for people who identify as low income. Um, which doesn't really strike me as something that should be a full-time idea. I mean, I understand that a lot of Americans identify as low income every April 15th, so in a sense there. there's already a yep. national day uh, for it. Uh, but, you know, we're going to be doing stories like this every week uh, until the whole of Western civilization slides off a cliff. Because basically it goes back to what you were saying at the top of the show, the idea is to weaken America, to weaken American identity, uh, to uh, weaken a sense of our civilizational heritage. I was interested, I mean, just to take the 
30,000 foot view. I was interested in what uh, Monsieur Macron in Paris said a couple of weeks ago when he said, as many Frenchmen do, that he regards American wokeness as an existential threat to the French Republic. And the people who yes. advised him to say that were a lot of French educators. So in other words, this thing, this, the in total insanity is coming from the United States on this issue. And, it, and we generally get less insane as you go east over to Central and Eastern Europe, where they still think like people who aren't totally bonkers. It's going to take a generation or more to undo the damage of what we've done to our society by this nonsense, which is far more pernicious. It's really our worst. Actually, yeah, oh, well, it's more as pernicious uh, and, and as anything. It's you wonder, though, how does the country hang together when kids are being taught from the earliest age that they have nothing in common with anyone else in the country other than members of their own tiny group? Like, how does that work out over time? Well, exactly. I mean, the, the Australian Prime Minister about 15 years ago, uh, John Howard, he used a phrase to me, he said, an heroic national narrative. That's what you want to teach your kids in school about their inheritance. We, uh, we not only don't have that, but we've consciously chosen to trash it. I mean, the, the word those French intellectuals, and I know if you say French intellectuals uh, on uh, English language television, everybody falls around laughing, but let's pretend they're serious for a moment. They said this is a bulldozer. They said this obsession with race and racial uh, identity and identity politics is a bulldozer that destroys education. And they're quite right about that. I'm, I've never been more strong on the side of French intellectuals. I mean that. They're right. All right. So um, I, ha whenever I first heard about this, I was completely shocked. Um, and I actually had heard people mention this. I forgot where. But it was a couple of years ago. And they were saying that it's going to get to this point to where graduations will be separate. Um, you know, separate uh, races for, you know, like a black graduation and all of that. And I didn't really believe it, you know. But it, it, Columbia University, New York, it, they're doing this. You know, I guess, <clears throat> you know, we've thought for years about segregation and integration and obviously wanting integration. Um, you know, you would think that separating people would be discrimination and segregation. However, I guess what they would argue is not if you identify with it. <clears throat> so if it's by your choice, then it's okay. So whichever group you choose to be a part of and labeled by, then it, there's no prejudice or discrimination in it you know because you've chosen you know that's the one you chose now it's kind of interesting this word identify because that basically means it may or may not be factual mm. you know it's just whichever one you want to be with <clears throat> but um you know to to separate people uh by these groups and for everybody to feel like that's something they want uh, is just really strange. You know, you, you would think that they would all say, no, we need to be according to, well, I've seen graduation ceremonies. It was by the major, you know, by what your major was or the department or the, 
but you know it was never based on these tri- types of characteristics it, you know which really i i would have thought would be very offensive you know a low income graduation mm-hmm. you know what a terrible way to what does that have to do with anything relating to the graduation mm-hmm. does that make it less or more i don't know when you graduate it should just be about you know usually they separate people through uh because of their majors and their studies mm-hmm. and you are all there together because you finished this degree and you are proud of your accomplishment not once do you think i should just be in a graduation with people that are like me lgbtq no no that's mm, mm. It, it's just it really is crazy um and then let me see um so candace owens she tweeted congratulations are in order for liberals in columbia university for successfully bringing segregation back by packaging it as diversity inclusion just one question which ceremony do biracial children attend <laughs> <laughs> yeah so such a good tweet <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess Technically, you could have a biracial graduation. <clears throat> but, you know, I guess the thought is, is it based on who you can relate to? But in that, are you saying, I can only relate to people that are like me? You know, aren't we supposed to be able to relate to people that are not like us? And isn't that the message that, you know, the left is giving to society and to white people? You know, relate. you should be able to relate to everybody. And this kind of seems to contradict that. No, you don't relate to everybody. We put you in these groups according to your identification, and you only relate to your group. Yeah, it it almost seems like it, it isn't real, like it's not really happening, but, but it is. And um, they are trying to justify, this was a quote that they gave, uh, Columbia University. These events bringing together all of our graduates and their families are a high point of an academic year. The smaller celebratory events held for particular communities are in addition to, not instead of, the main commencement and class day graduation ceremonies. In most instances, these smaller multicultural gatherings evolved from ceremonies originally created by alumni and students. The gatherings are voluntary, open to every student who wants to participate and have become a highly anticipated and meaningful part of the Columbia graduation experience. So essentially they're saying, um, you know, they got blowback and they're just saying, no, 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 this is just an addition to, this is just an addition to. Uh, (laughs) So it's not presentation of diplomas or anything. It's just, uh, just maybe a social function, a social (laughs) gathering. Yeah. Yeah, you know, whenever segregation was a thing, that was white people doing that. White people were saying, no, these are our water fountains. You drink from these nasty water fountains. Mm. No, this is our library. Your library is over there. Our restaurant. You can eat in the back. And that was what white people were doing. And now, a lot of black people uh, at Columbia University are saying, no, white people, you don't get to join us in our graduation ceremony. You can leave. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have this for ourselves only. And it's bleeding into other things, like the casting of Hamilton, that musical. No, 
white people. We're not casting you. And by the way, if there is a white person, it's just going to be the idiot King George. Um, yeah, who everyone makes fun of the whole time. That's the only white person that we're going to have in the whole entire play. Uh, but otherwise, only minorities are allowed. So, for example, what if you identify as wealthy, as privileged, as white? There's no gatherings for you. No. I guess not. Nope. None <laughs> at all. You don't get anything. <laughs> yeah, because you shouldn't be that way. Basically, because of your color, you don't deserve you know, any kind of positive treatment. You know, just going back in history a little bit, you know, the arguments were for segregation and then separate but equal. Mm -hmm. And then they said, no, separate is inherently unequal. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you make African-American children attend school without other races or without the majority race, you, that's not going to ever be equal. Mm -hmm. They're going to be disadvantaged by that. And therefore, everything became integration because it was thought you can't separate and make it equal. So integration was the answer, um, which it's interesting. I guess, you know, what you, the clarification you gave is important. But they're still saying that in a social context, we segregate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it may not be for the official presentation of diplomas or anything, but socially still. And that's something I think that could really or needs to be challenged. For sure. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't know that lavender was, you know, another term for LGBTQ and all that. And I love lavender, so. <laughs> Are you used to? No, I still do. So that's why <laughs> they keep on trying to, like, rainbow. You can't wear rainbow anything without someone thinking that you're gay now. Mm. And they keep on doing these kinds of things. They try to take away just, yeah, n normal things. Like, you can't say the word gay anymore. Mm. Um, gay used to mean happy. <laughs> Yeah, they just they twist words and have them mean different things, and mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating. So I'm glad that people are hearing about what's happening because hopefully that can stop some of this. This should not occur. It shouldn't matter who you want to have sex with. It shouldn't matter what color you are. It shouldn't matter how much money you have. None of that matters. What unifies us is... We studied at a school. We learned. We are going to the workplace. Let's be happy. That's mm. what it's about. Yeah, college has become too much now. It's become too much of a lifestyle and too important to where they're doing stuff like this. I'm out of college now, and I'm grateful for it. And, yeah, I, too much dramatization of everything in mm. college. Just too much of all that. It's just gross. So. Well, it'll be interesting. There's a lot more universities in Columbia, is this catching on or not? That's, that's going to say a lot. Hopefully not. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not, man. Yeah, on to the next topic. Um, California recall backers submitted 2.1 million signatures ahead of deadline, far above required amount. 
essentially, this is about Gav. Uh, oh my gosh, Governor Gavin Newsom, California Governor, and he has been very unpopular, and he's just been hypocritical about COVID, and has just made it unbearable to live there. Lots of people have moved from the state. Um, man, seems like a lot of bad governors lately, and so they the California wants to recall him. A lot of people do. And yeah, imagine 2.1 million signatures. And they probably could have gotten more if they had more time, but they had to get finish this by the 17th. Um, so that was Wednesday. And so I'll read a little bit of the article. I got this from the Epic Times. The over 2 million signatures will be verified by 58 California County officials who will toss any deemed invalid but over 83% of those counted so far have been validated, a rate that would lead to far more acceptable signatures than the 1.5 million required. You know, and you're probably thinking on the same thought, uh, so we have to make sure these are valid, <laughs> but yet the votes for president didn't matter. doesn't matter if they're valid. Yeah. So yeah, why does, why does this matter that this has to be valid? Yeah, nobody better come up with baseless... Uh, allegations of fraud yeah because we we just can't accept that so i and by the way i do think that these should be valid signatures they should be if if they're not that's not okay so let's have that same standard <laughs> it's just it's absolutely ridiculous so yeah they, it's just rules for thee and not for me uh is always <laughs> how it is so dave gillard a republican recall strategist said wednesday that the signees were 64 4.1% GOP, 25.3% no party preference, 9% Democrat, 1.6% other, and then separately, 49.48% female. Mm. So some pretty interesting, um, you know, 9% of, of Democrats you know, it's low. It's low, but still, it's pretty good. I'll take it. Uh, what about the other genders? <laughs> you said 49% female? Yeah. What, what would the other genders be? Well, there's so many, so I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like over 70, I think. So. Well, there's a spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um yeah, so... Because um, that sure doesn't mean 51% male. That's true. That's <laughs> true, Dad. Under California state law, the recall ballot will ask voters if they want to recall Newsom. And if so, whom do they want to replace him? Since Newsom is barred from appearing among the recall candidates, a Republican could win with just a plurality of votes if the GOP can convince a majority of voters to oust the incumbent governor. So... <laughs> It'd be cool. It'd be so cool if we could get a Republican governor in California, but it, it, it'd be tough. So I did find a clip on this. Um, Gavin Newsom was being interviewed by the ladies of The View, and I was actually somewhat impressed that it wasn't a complete softball interview. They actually asked some normal questions. And yeah, to be frank, a governor like this would never, ever appear on a show, uh, on a conservative show anywhere. He, he actually very famously interviewed with uh, Adam Carolla, do you know Adam Carolla? Mm. And Adam Carolla just decimated him, destroyed mm. him. And it, it was pretty entertaining. I listened to a, a 
that interview and that Adam Carolla didn't even have any college education. (laughs) And it was just so good. But he's a comedian and a famous podcaster. So, Uh so that was fun to listen to. But yeah, do you have any thoughts before I play the clip? I was just going to say in the past weeks, we've, we've seen Trump and O'Reilly on the view. So, Yep, yep, yep. Now they got one of their friends. Honestly, I probably should just do a whole podcast episode about uh, my favorite clothes from The View. Just because <laughs> they always seem to have good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. I will play this. California Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I was listening to this in two times the speed, so uh, that's normally how Whoopee. I listen to this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Facing his sixth recall campaign since taking office, but now he's fighting back against the latest movement to push him out for his pandemic response with a movement of his own called Stop the Republican Recall. Good morning, Governor. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Whoopi. Now, you're in the process of being recalled by constituents, some constituents, who say they have more than two million signatures to force a special election against you. Now, Democrats, including President Biden, are standing by you. I want to know, as a former Californian person, what is this really about? Because I think you've done a pretty damn good job in this gigantic state of keeping it together in, in circumstances where you didn't get a lot of help. So what is this really about and are you concerned? Uh, look, I, I appreciate that. As you noted correctly, this is the sixth effort and I've only been in office 25 months. Just in 25 months, there's been six efforts to put a recall uh, on the ballot. This one appears to have the requisite signatures. This started before the pandemic. If you look at the list of grievances from the proponents of this campaign, it goes to our values. It's, It's less about me, it's more about California and our values, Democratic Party values, issues related to the browning of California, immigration, issues related to low carbon green growth, our climate policies, issues related to our advancement uh, to end the death penalty or increase the minimum wage or advance pay equity. And so I say that quite literally, that's what's at stake in this election and this recall. Guys like me come and go. At the end of the day, these principles are what we're fighting for. So, Governor, you say that this recall effort uh, has ties to the same extremist groups that stormed the Capitol. But organizers claim more than a third of signatures are from Democrats, independents, and unaffiliated voters uh, mad that your pandemic policies shuttered businesses and schools. Are both true? Well, the chief proponent of this, and, 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 and forgive me, this is just objective truth, the chief proponent of this recall petition uh, supports uh, putting microchips into migrants, uh, into immigrants. Uh, the other proponents, the chief, the top 10 proponents, the people that are behind this are members of the three percenters, the right wing militia group, the Proud Boys supported the insurrection, uh, are folks that quite literally enthusiastically support QAnon. Uh, conspiracies. And so that's the origin here. Now, as it relates to the people that signed this petition, it just takes uh, one quarter of people that supported Donald Trump to put a petition uh, on the ballot, or rather a recall on the ballot. We're one of just 19 states in the country that allows this process, but we have the lowest threshold in America. And of course, you're all very familiar. Uh, We had a recall not too many years ago in 2003. And so, Whoopi, it goes to your original question. Am I worried about it? Of course I'm worried about it. 
the nature of these things, the up or down question, the zero sum nature of the question is challenging and it's vexing. And so, you know, we're, we're taking it seriously. I, I have to do my job every single day, but I'm going to fight this thing because I'm going to fight for California values and the things I hold dear. And I think the vast majority of Californians, regardless of their political stripes, hold dear. Governor. Ba- All right. I'm just going to pause it. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's interesting the way the strategies that he's using, and it's to make it partisan. You know, he he doesn't want to accept that it's from the people. He wants to tie it to extremists and tie it to the Republicans. And that way, he can, you know, very reasonably accept or expect support from the Democratic Party, which obviously is in the vast majority in his state. So, you know, so... Uh, if he ties it in those ways and characterizes it in those ways, as opposed to a bipartisan recall effort, you know, stop the Republican recall. That's the name. You're not going to say stop the recall yeah. or stop the bipartisan recall. You know, so it, it's an, you know, he's, he's very smart. Oh yeah. And, and I don't know, did you get this uh, feeling? I, I really feel like they gave him the questions before. Mm. It, he is so perfectly rehearsed. Mm. And I just, I really don't believe that he didn't hear these questions before. And they're mm. reading the questions. Mm. The, this just feels so rehearsed. The mm-hmm. whole thing does. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So You'd have to expect it with this group. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they would never do that for Bill O'Reilly. Mm. But he still single-handedly took on all of them. Uh, <laughs> and walked them off the stage. <laughs> yes, literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and, and I, yeah, it is a smart strategy to, yeah, to instead of admitting, I'm a terrible governor. People are mm. sick of me. Mm-hmm. To instead say, we got to remember who is wanting these things. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these evil people mm-hmm. that... Storm the Capitol. Yeah, they stormed the Cap- QAnon. These QAnon people want this. Proud Boys, militia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which the truth is, there's probably not enough of mo- most of those splinter groups, you know, to produce these kinds of numbers over yeah, 2 million. Well, what, what kind of logic is that? Mm. So you could. Okay, well, then that gives you license. If you basically demonize the people who are against you, your opponents, Mm -hmm. you can be the most evil and wicked person in the world. And simply because you see your opponents as demons, Mm -hmm. that makes you okay somehow. You know, he's also trying to say it's based on their values. You know, which... You know, so he, then he throws up the most popular values. Yep. You know, that nobody would question. Yep. When in reality, it was based on the way he handled the pandemic and shut everything down and drove people out of business and, you know, was completely inflexible and uh, safety was exalted over the economy, livelihood, mental health, you know, education and everything else. For the sure. Family, integrity, everything. Yeah, I, I was just, you know, even though it was all rehearsed, I did appreciate them asking that question of, well, there's some Democrats that, you know, voted for this and independents, uh, mm. or not voted, but are wanting to recall you as well. So uh, I'm going to play the rest of the clip. Mm-hmm. 
In November, you faced backlash for attending a maskless, mostly indoor birthday dinner at the ultra-exclusive restaurant, The French Laundry, which went against your own recommendations to avoid gatherings and wear a mask while much of the state was still under lockdown. Now, you admitted that was a mistake, but do you worry and see the, the concerns people have that it might make it harder for naysayers to take this virus seriously when you proceed as you did? Yeah, it was a terrible mistake. It was a friend's 50th birthday. There were too many people at the table. At the end of the day, I own that, uh, and I'm going to be held to account for that. And I, I've probably, trust me, I've held myself to a higher level of accountability than anybody possibly could. So, of course, it was a mistake, and I didn't shy away from that and never made one prior in that respect and since. And we learned from that. We're all human, but bottom line is I own that. Well, uh, Governor, news outlets like the AP are pointing out that California and Florida have virtually identical case rates, even though California's had strict rules and Florida's essentially been wide open. Florida also has a booming economy, um, a booming real estate market, and much lower unemployment rate than California, 4.8% compared to 9%. I also have to point out that California has the lowest percentage of kids in schools and the seventh worst mortality rate. I'd much rather live in Florida than California right now. How do you explain that? Well, we have our positivity rate is three times less than Florida at the current moment. We have a lower death rate than Florida. We have a lower case rate than Florida. In this pandemic, uh, the story still needs to be told. But that said, let's be just candid about this. Florida and California are very different in every way, shape, or form. In this respect, most importantly, the issue of density is profoundly significant as it relates to the disease spread, the disease burden, particularly multi-generational households and density. Just consider just L.A. alone. Its density is seven times greater than that of Miami. And so I'm not here to, to critique other states, quite the contrary, save one, and that was Texas that notably, I think, made a terrible reckless mistake on setting down uh, the gauntlet on removing masks, not implementing strategies to enforce and be more aggressive on mask wearing. Uh, and at the same time, I think what we've done is save lives. And California is a very dense state. California was impacted by this pandemic early. Uh, and I'm very, very pleased with the work that we've done. And I say we because it's led by local health officers. It's led by science and data. It's led uh, by an iterative process where we're open argument, interested in evidence, so we're not ideological about our approach. That's hilarious. Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> he's got all the answers. Yeah, he certainly does, and he, he's very ready and quick to critique other governors, um, mm -hmm. which I, yeah, is very distasteful, you know, and, and hypocritical in every way. But uh, the French Laundry, you know, I think we've shared about that incident. You know, it was his 50th birthday. <laughs> By the way, the meals at this place cost like over a thousand bucks a plate. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, you, you just told all of California not to do something and then you go off and do it yourself. Mm. And you know, I'm holding myself accountable. Uh, I own that. Trust me, no one is more regretful of that decision than me. And whenever he was talking about it at the time, not in this clip, but another, um, he said, oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I remember three other times that I've done this as well. You know, it's just. Well, he just said man. there that it was a, he had not made a mistake like that before or since. Doubtful. It, you know, it's really just a matter of, for them, can I get away with it? Mm-hmm. 
that's all they're considering because we all have you know human nature is to interact and a lot of this stuff goes against human nature you know yeah you can isolate a week a month you know at some point you're going to want to find a way out Mm -hmm. and that's human nature so anybody you know is going to use whatever means they have available and politicians who are in high places of power have more options and so why not use them yeah it's just a simple fact of in any job if people are unhappy with your performance you ask how you can improve Mm -hmm. you don't say you're wrong i'm perfect and yeah you demonize Mm -hmm. the people that are critiquing you Mm -hmm. you try to learn i think what he's trying to do is appeal to those that did not sign the petition Mm. and you know obviously that's a lot a large number and to try to well as we said before make it into an extremist thing or partisan thing and and really not not apologize for anything about his policies uh, during this time all the th- all the reasons that they want to um, you know want, want to recall him he's not responding to any of that Yep. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And yeah, no, yeah, these fake apologies where he's not sorry one bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if you actually did apologize, it, it might help a little, but he doesn't want to do that. He, th- and that's the problem with these kind of positions. It's not like the, the private sector where you can be ousted in a moment and where honestly that's a lot better. But it's, it's like, it's, it's like this where, no, you idiots, even though you're actually the boss of me, the people are the boss of him. Mm. But he doesn't live that way. Mm-hmm. And the people have spoken. They're sick of you, dude. Get out. And instead, he's like, I'm going to fight this because these people are idiots. Mm. It's so backwards. and But that's the way that that all politicians seem to, to end up. Mm-hmm. Um it's disappointing. It certainly is. And, and I hope that this can actually take effect and that he can be ousted and they can actually have a good governor because that place is so messed up. Um, the homeless population, everything else. So, where did I hear this? Someone was saying that they were there and they saw it and it was worse than... Uh, oh, yeah, it was on Joe Rogan's show. He was uh, This guest was mentioning that he had been to L.A. and looked at it. He's like, I've lived in some rough places in Africa. And honestly, this was way worse. <laughs> mm. Way worse than the rough places I've seen. It, it is that bad right now. I, you know, I don't think you guys understand because you're just thinking of the pretty parts of California that we're all used to seeing. And I think that those parts do still exist and they still look beautiful. But yeah. And, and then, yeah, the comparison of Florida and California. Florida has an older population. The mm. senior citizens go there and retire. Mm-hmm. They're not wearing masks right now. Like, I've heard that if you wear masks in, in Florida, people kind of look down at you. Mm. And they're really about the same with their death rates. Oh. <laughs> they really are. 
and yet he wants to criticize and and act like oh no it's just it's just different it's just so different yeah there's a younger population in in california um you know all these people trying to make it in hollywood they're all Mm. moving there and all the older republicans that are sick of being there have left (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. so yeah now it's just a young sunshine state and people aren't doing well they're not thriving he's a terrible governor he needs to go Mm. (laughs) it's going to be a circus and one thing I've heard that uh, he and his people are going to try to delay the election as long as possible. You know, the longer you make people wait, the more they can forget. You know, the edge of the bitterness can be gone. Maybe people won't turn out as much. But it's going to be fascinating as to the candidates. You know, the last time they had the big one, there it was Arnold that they came up with. Yeah, that's true. So I don't I don't know who they could come up with. You know, some big name that is yeah, I think on they, everybody's mind. Yeah, they have a few that they were considering. Um, not on this article, but on another, they're talking about uh, Richard Grinnell, and he worked for Trump. He was one of the f- first gay communications directors for Trump. He's got a lot of really good views, though. Um, mm-hmm. So he would he would be one that would be much better than Newsom. Really, anyone would be. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. be real. Mm-hmm. I, I could be better. I don't even know anything about this kind of stuff. Uh, I forget where. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a few that are seeking to replace him. Former San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer. Um, 2018 Republican gubernatorial candidate John Cox. And former GOP rep. Uh, Representative Doug Osi. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they've joined the race, and who knows, there might be more. It's going to be interesting with you know it divided and very low numbers. I guess you could you could win. Yeah, with yeah. a very low percentage. Maybe so. Uh, well, or are they doing a recall or a runoff? Oh, I'm not sure. I. You know, because many times if you don't get a certain number, there is runoff. But I think I've heard that maybe you could still win with a small number, so there may not be runoff. Who knows? Whenever major things happen, we will be the first to tell you guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep watch on this. Um, It's a little hard to know just because it is another state and the way that they operate and all Mm -hmm. that. But, yeah, this is an interesting one for sure. But uh, now let's go to uh, the verse uh, you said Proverbs fourteen twelve, so there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Yeah, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's you know so much in that, uh, you know humanism basically is we can solve all our problems. We have all the answers. Humanity does without God, and. You see that at Columbia, and you see that in California, mm-hmm. and you see that in Gavin Newsom. So uh, it doesn't work, and it doesn't produce life, nothing of lasting life. It's true, yeah. That You can try to do everything your own way, and you can try for as long as you want, but you're going to reach the end of yourself, mm-hmm. and you get the choice, go to God or... Basically, your life 
or the other option is your life is meaningless and you're really doing absolutely nothing with your life. Mm-hmm. And we've seen mm-hmm. so many people like that and they're honestly praised in our culture. Mm-hmm. But eternally speaking, the, they have no value. True. Um, and that's their choice that they decided to make. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets an opportunity to choose the way of life. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's, free, it's a free choice and it's a free gift. And um, yeah, it doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, but mm-hmm. if, if governor, well, I meant Gavin. So I keep on saying Gavin and governor and I keep on combining that. And I've called him Gavinor Newsom so many times. It is painful to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, basically Newsom, <laughs> I'm just uh-huh. going to start calling him Newsom. Uh, he, even if he just tried a little bit to be a good governor, it, I think people would be very appreciative but he is just so in his own head and all for himself that he makes decisions that everybody else would say, hey, idiot, wake up. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. That's what shows you you need God because if you're not with him, mm-hmm. you're not going to do too well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, just really being closed-minded. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not open to God and he's not open to other people with other views. He just does what he wants and it you know it's interesting it, it it's very tyrannical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and people you know when they suffer the consequences of a tyrant if you give them a chance they're going to want to get rid of the tyrant and that's what this recall is all about for sure yeah it, you know a lot of lessons to learn here but i appreciate you guys listening to the show and i hope you have a great and restful weekend